Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Working Therapist Podcast. I'm Hayden Bolick, your host. And today you're getting ready to listen to part one in a two-part series called Sensory Awareness. I did both parts with Rachel Beaver. Rachel is one of the OTs that works here at Pediatric Developmental Therapy. We have such talented people here that Rachel actually did this podcast in the middle of her therapy day. She was treating kids. Then she came and did the podcast. And then she left and went back to treating kids. Rachel actually did this presentation, though, at Manor Church here in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And this podcast is a summary discussion based on the presentation that Rachel did. She did this presentation for people who are involved with the special needs ministry at Manor Church. In this first half of the podcast, we are going to learn about the innovative ministry at Manor Church and how Rachel personally was called to be involved with this ministry. She also explains what a sensory processing deficit or disorder is. Specifically, then she talks about kids who are sensory defensive or kids who are over-responders. So get ready to listen to part one of Rachel Beaver's presentation on sensory awareness. Welcome to The Working Therapist with Hayden Bolick, a podcast designed to help you grow more, do more, and be more as a therapist. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. We're glad you've joined us for today's podcast. So here's your host, Hayden Bolick. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of The Working Therapist. I'm Hayden Bullock, your host. And today we have Rachel Beaver, who is one of our very talented group of occupational therapists that we have working with us at Pediatric Developmental Therapy. And today we are actually going to review a sensory awareness presentation that Rachel did for a local church here in Fayetteville called Mana Church. They've actually got lots of locations and they're starting a special needs ministry for children here in Fayetteville. And so she did a presentation for Mana Church for their special needs ministry on sensory awareness, where she talked about different sensory disorders and how that looked for children who demonstrated some of these difficulties. But before we jump into this too fast and too far, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit to everybody? I know you've done another podcast with me, but for those who haven't maybe listened to that one, why don't you tell everybody who you are, what you do, where you're from? I don't know. Just important <laughs> facts about Rachel, things that are fun to know. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Um, well, like you said, I'm working as an OT with PDT and mm-hmm. I work over in our Southern Pines location. So we work at the Children's Center and then our outpatient office there. And actually, Mana Church is in Fayetteville, but a lot of our Fayetteville team attends there. And They've been setting up a special needs part of their children's ministry, which they also partner with several churches in the Fayetteville area, Southern Pines area, kind of throughout this regional location. So they're hoping that some of the things that they're setting up at their church and their partnership with us, so they can kind of expand that. So I know the church I attend was actually planted by them here. And so that might be even be something where we might be able to do a similar presentation with them or they're hoping just to continue to expand awareness of special needs within the community and especially within churches since that is a big part of the culture and community here. So, Yep, exactly. And I think Mana Church is doing, I think, what nationally a lot of churches are doing, but they're creating a special needs ministry. And I guess that looks maybe different at different places, but we're excited about the one that Mana is doing here and super excited because you are an integral part of that whole ministry. Rachel, you gave this presentation for parents and for basically whoever wanted to attend, but there are a lot of parents that were there. There are a lot of people who could be working with children with special needs in the ministry at church. So there are lots of different people there for lots of different 
different reasons. But basically all of them interested in helping children with special needs in whatever capacity and however that looks for them. And so you were helping to explain the sensory system and how different kids present differently based on some of their sensory issues. That's a pretty good big top line item, right? Yeah, (laughs) that's kind of the overview. It's lots under that umbrella. Yeah, a whole career, right? Because that's what you do. But anyway, so Rachel was kind enough to volunteer and to do this presentation from Anna. And like you said, it will impact lots of little children and families and people working with children in that church and in lots of churches because Manna Church is a big old huge church. And like you said, lots of other locations of that church. So let's start talking about the presentation that you did and what the content of that was and what it was about. So Rachel, you kind of started talking a little bit about the ministry at Mana Church, and it's actually called Very Important Kids. And we did a two-part podcast about this whole ministry with Debbie Hume. So if you haven't heard that, go back and listen to the podcast about this ministry. If you're interested in setting up a special needs ministry at your church somewhere, go back and listen to that. She has lots of good detail of how that happened and everything. But it's called Very Important Kids. And so she actually contacted us about equipment that they needed, helping them to set up the space just what equipment needed to go in there, purchasing some of the equipment, that kind of stuff. They purchased a lot through us and we're still doing that with them. But then this presentation also came from discussions when she contacted us about being involved with their ministry. And so then Rachel, why don't you describe about how sort of you came in on the scene and how you got involved? Yeah. Well, Allison Nancy, I know Mm -hmm. has done several podcasts as well. She's kind of our project manager. And so she had just reached out to see if anyone might be able to do the presentation. Yep. So whenever I saw the background about it, I was really interested in getting involved. I've always really enjoyed working with that population of children Mm -hmm. with disabilities and found a good outlet working as an occupational therapist. But I was kind of excited to combine my personal faith with my work and just helping children be successful in all of their environments throughout the community. And it's not something I really get to explicitly do in my day-to-day job, though it certainly influences how I perform my job. But being able to partner with the church and kind of include more of the background of why this population is important to me and being able to use some of my knowledge to help them get their ministry started, that was, I thought, a really great opportunity. Mm-hmm. Rachel, I think you hit on something really important there. So I want to kind of pause for a second and talk about it because sort of why it's personal and why you're passionate about what you do, which makes for a very successful successful therapist. And I think sometimes for therapists who are out there listening to this podcast, you know, you stepped up to the plate and we have certainly was a volunteer situation. And when Allison put it out there, it was totally a volunteer and it really spoke to you because it involved an opportunity for you to combine your faith with also a special knowledge and gifts that you have as an OT and to be able to help these kids. And so I think sort of to keep ourselves fueled as therapists and keep that passion alive and keep us remembering why we do what we do, it's important to do stuff like this because it sort of brings it back home, kind of reminds us of, hey, this is why I'm an OT. You know, this is why I do what I do because you do have a belief system and a personal faith and this presentation helped with that and combined what you do at OT. But I think it's really important personally as a therapist to keep that passion fueled and our why fueled because you can get beat down in life with the whole daily note and documentation (laughs) and the stuff that's like no fun whatsoever. But you've got to keep remembering why we do what we do. So I think that you kind of touched on that and I think it's important to highlight it. So this gave you an opportunity to combine those two things, and that's exciting. 
but it was a big event. This was not like a, oh yeah, hey, Rachel's can come talk and oh yeah, come on down if you've got nothing better to do. <laughs> Debbie promoted this thing throughout the whole entire community, Vanna Church did, and it was a big thing. It was exciting and you did a great job because you put this whole presentation together, a very professional, thought out presentation, and it was fantastic. Oh, very engaging, very engaging. So why do you think it's important that people understand this sensory awareness? Why do you think this is an important thing to do? Well, I know whenever I talk to Debbie Hume, her background is working in a ministry with children with special needs. And so for her, it's something that she wanted to promote in this new job in the church is helping people to understand how to engage children and how to help them to best be able to benefit from the ministry. So obviously if a child has dysregulation or they have different sensory sensitivities, to be able to interact with them successfully and to set up the environment so they can be successful, you have to understand their perspective and then have strategies in place that you can help them to be able to engage and focus with the material. And of course, from the church's standpoint, they are wanting to present about the gospel and helping children develop a relationship with God. And if they're in a place of dysregulation, they're not going to be able to engage with the cognitive academic part. Right. So by providing these kind of strategies or providing outlets for them, educating the parents and the staff that are working with them to provide the children the best chance to be able to hear this message. And likewise, in other organizations, other community type of projects, it's the same sort of thing, whatever is the goal of that organization. They want the children to be able to participate when it reaches as many children as possible. So by providing this presentation, they're hoping that it would help them to reach the children in their community. Yep, exactly. And I think parents too. So it gives parents an opportunity to know their child who maybe has some special needs is in a safe place with people who are trained and educated and able to support that child in various ways. And then the parents can go and also hear the message so that they can also develop and continue to grow their faith and their walk with Christ. That's really part of it too. Okay, so Rachel, what was the title of your presentation? The title was Tigger Eeyore, Sensory Awareness and Finding a Balance Between the Extremes. And yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you how you came up with that. I love that whole Tigger and Eeyore thing. Who came up with that? It was awesome. That was actually Debbie's idea. So we had <laughs> kind of brainstormed a couple ideas. Yeah. And then I liked that one just for it being very relatable and most people at least have a frame of reference to think about the two characters. And actually, we really use three of the characters from this show, but it gives a good little illustration. So someone can kind of think of that when I'm describing the characteristics of each sensory processing pattern. So that's kind of where that came from. I love that though, Rachel, because it works for me. Preschool talk and thinking really, I connect with that, but it really sums it up. So for those of us in the world who are not OTs, who didn't have all of this training, I'm a speech therapist. I've worked with therapists forever, but still I'm not an OT. It hit the nail on the head for me. I've actually used it a lot since then when we're talking about kids. So even in my head, I'm thinking, okay, this kid is kind of like a little Eeyore kid. All right, here, he's a little Eeyore-ish. Okay, got it. And this little chickadee's more like a little tiggery kind of thing. She's got some tigger stuff going on. So it really (laughs) has helped congeal and like make this concept and these sensory things that we're going to talk about in a minute. It sort of helped put a visual for me. It's been great. I think we need to use it like all the time. I'm very excited about it. So why don't you just do a quick, overall about what the presentation was about, and then we'll get into some detail. Well, we're talking about sensory processing disorder, Mm -hmm. and then the subtypes, which is what kind of matched up with each Winnie the Pooh character, and then also talking about each sensory system and what deficits in those systems look like, and then some practical strategies for supporting the children that are having 
these various issues. And we did group lecture and then small group discussion format with some hands-on activities just to break it up with some sensory strategies. So we talked about kind of a case study for each system so that the people who were attending could kind of discuss the information that had been shared and then apply it to the children that they know in their life. Yep. And I like the hands-on because as you introduce concepts, as you talked about, and you gave a video example or picture example or real life examples, then there was an opportunity for us to talk and divide into little groups and do like a little hands-on thing. So it really kind of made it sink in. We had another therapist that we work with, Patty Zellner, helped collaborate a lot on some of the content Mm -hmm. and then coming up with how to do the formatting. And we talked about different ideas for these hands-on activities to be simple, but good example for each system. And so she helped me a lot putting that together, even though she wasn't able to be there with me to present it. So that was good trying to figure out ways that we could easily explain to someone who might not have a frame of reference. Well, and I like the idea. So we'll talk more about what you did, how you did it, because it was very simple, easy, very household common objects that you had used and stuff like that. So so I loved it because there was no technical, oh, only special OTs can get this stuff. Like, you know, it was (laughs) like anybody can go get it. And most of it, I think we got like the dollar store. store. (laughs) So all of our favorite shopping place. So tell me what sensory processing is. Define that for me. Sensory processing is an ability everyone develops just to interact with your environment. So it's the Mm -hmm. connection between your body and your brain, Mm -hmm. organizing information, sensations as they're coming in from the external and then from your internal sensations, you're organizing that information and then applying it to have a response or adaptive behavior. So everyone's doing that constantly, but then for some children, they have not developed this ability or their nervous system is set up differently. And so they have to really develop that skill, which it would normally be something automatic that you just develop throughout childhood. It's something that they need extra assistance to develop that ability to be able to increase their tolerance and their ability to respond appropriately to their environment. And we talk a lot about children being regulated and children being in an active state and able to learn and in a calm, quiet, alert state. We look for that in preemies. We look for that in all of our kids, regulated and in a calm, ready active state so they can learn and do and appropriately interact with their environment. But the sensory processing in this presentation really dealt with children who are in a state of dysregulation, Mm -hmm. correct? And so explain a little bit about why a child would be in sort of a dysregulated state and how that works with the sensory processing disorder. So sensory processing disorder then is the child is not able to regulate their responses or interpret the input coming in. So it's something that everyone is doing typically, but it's only considered, you know, disorder if it's disrupting them participating in their routines throughout their life, whether that be school, whether that be play, socially with their family. So sometimes when you start doing these kind of presentations, you're like, oh, I, that kind of sounds like me or sounds like my child, but it doesn't necessarily mean they have a disorder if they're able to compensate and to function. But for most of these children, that's a skill that they have to learn how to do as adults. We've learned how we function best and what strategies we need to be able to focus and to be productive. But for them, that's kind of where you're coming in and supporting them learning how to do that. And I think that's really important distinction. So you think your child is hyperactive. There's times in the day when your child is extremely active, meaning running around the house, really talkative, sort of what I call at home, pinging off the walls, meaning they're just high energy, high energy. That's different than a child who really is 
not able to regulate their behavior because a child who is maybe high energy can still, if you say, for example, at home with my own little people, you know, if they're high energy, I can say, okay, look, hey, we got to calm down. So let's calm it down. And they can bring it in and calm down and get calm. They may not want to, but that's different than not being able to. But you're Mm -hmm. talking about children or adults who really can't calm themselves down. Or when you say, hey, calm down, they can't just regulate themselves to do that. I think that's a good distinction, like developing self-regulation, Sure, being able to do it independently without an outside person to help you. So most of them don't have that self-regulation piece. So Rachel, now let's start talking about the Tigger and the Eeyore and let's get into the meat of the presentation. So if I remember correctly, and you'll have to make sure I'm right, did you talk about over-responders first? Uh Uh-huh. So why don't you sort of describe to everybody what an over-responder is and give us some info under that type of person? (laughs) <laughs> okay, so an over-responder, sometimes they might be referred to as being sensory defensive. They are overacting to sensations that don't bother others. And it's associated a lot with fearfulness, anxiety. So we compared it to our character of Rabbit and Winnie the Pooh. So they're you know hyper-responsive to sensation. Most commonly, it's touch and sounds. Mm. And then they're feeling sensation too easily, too intensely, and responding too much or too long to the input. Some of the characteristics that you're probably going to see is seeming to have meltdowns over things that are very small or something that wouldn't typically bother others, really liking a strict routine and having difficulty with transitions, with changes. You see those like aggressive or impulsive behaviors when they're overwhelmed, having difficulty with socialization because they want to control their environment so that they don't get overwhelmed. And so that often leads them to avoid social situations because they're not able to control it. And so a lot of parents come in with wanting social participation for their child. Mm-hmm. And then just having fears of being very cautious. A lot of times they can be problem eaters, kids that aren't eating at all. So with this type of child, our treatment approach is low, slow, and predictable. So low intensity and very slow, predictable, helping them increase their tolerance for different sensory input, whatever things that they're sensitive about. So for these kids, these are the ones who only eat a certain type of chicken nugget and only a certain type of French fry or a certain kind of cracker or whatever. One chicken nugget does not equal all chicken nuggets. Mm -hmm. Yeah, even that picky eating really is associated with it. And then the kids that are very sensitive to touch, Mm -hmm. they're doing the toe walking that Mm. can't stand certain textures, probably very particular about all of their ADL routines and they may have that aggressive response like if a child just bumps into them in line that sort of thing so they can be the ones that would also have the meltdown about the lines on the socks or the tag in the shirt or only wearing certain types of clothing or be upset with zippers or just who knows but some of that kind of stuff and then a lot of times when I go in different classrooms and stuff I will always like observe for just a few minutes just to sort of see kind of hey what's happening here and who do we have in this classroom and so a lot of our little sensory people tend to be what I call periphery kids for various reasons. Yes. <laughs> so, and I say they play the periphery or they're a periphery kid. They just scan the periphery of the classroom. They don't engage in the centers. They're just on the outside. Not that they can't or don't want to. I think actually a lot of times they do want to, but if you were a little person who was having trouble with this and like loud noises bothered you or certain touch bothered you or whatever it was, I bet a center time with a bunch of three-year-olds would be a nightmare. (laughs) You're talking about an uncontrolled environment. That's an uncontrolled situation. I mean, it's uncontrolled for like an adult. Every man for himself, the ship's going down. Go to block time with five, three and a half year olds. Yeah. Every man for himself, just duck and cover. Yeah. I think um, (laughs) a lot of times even doing like parallel play next to kids or 
especially engaging in any kind of play together, yeah. is just very overwhelming. So that sort of gives us a great overview, Rachel, of an over-responder. And then again, I know the presentation was called Tigger and Eeyore, but if you think about them, this is like your rabbit character. And I know these children aren't uptight, but bless little rabbit's heart, he's a little uptight. And these children, I guess, could be perceived as an intense, worried, uptight type of child, but there's specific reasons for it and you gave why. But that would be a good way to sort of describe them. I think the rabbit works. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think it's a good representation. You said these children need low, slow, and predictable. Can you expand a little bit on low, slow, and predictable? So typically it's touch and auditory that are the main systems they're going to be over-responsive with, but whatever system it may be, you're wanting to provide very low intensity, very slow frequency, very predictable type of activities so that you're trying to build their tolerance, kind of trying to scaffold them up so that they can slowly be introduced to these things that are noxious for them and whatever specific fears that they might have, trying to help desensitize them to that and help them be able to then participate in their environment as they grow a tolerance. And a lot of times we talk about your therapeutic use of self. Mm -hmm. And especially with sensory, it's more than just getting the child to do what you want them to do. It's how you are using your affect, your emotion or facial expressions, how you're using your tone of voice, Mm -hmm. your body language, how close you are to the child, how you set up the environment, more actually using yourself as a therapeutic tool. So that low, slow, and predictable also applies to you, especially depending on your personality. For me, that's something I've had to take back maybe some of my verbals that Uh. I use too many words or I might overwhelm them, especially a child that's auditory sensitive. So doing very simple instructions, very slow, like, okay, ready, go. Just even something like that where you're really changing how you interact with them as well as how you set up the activity. And sometimes it's not natural or it's kind of hard to explain unless somebody sees. So it's a lot of parent or teacher modeling of how you're interacting with the child to get them to engage with you. Because it doesn't really matter if they put the piece in the puzzle if they're not engaged with you or they're just robotically doing something. The OT philosophy with sensory is the the social emotional part Mm -hmm. that you're wanting to develop those skills. And a lot of parents, you know, that's their biggest concern is their social participation. Well, they're so unsociable. They don't have friends. They can't interact with their peers, that sort of thing. Then also for language, you know, I have to add my SLP two cents in there. But for us, for language, this is a great opportunity then for OTs and speech people to pair together and collaborate and either co-treat or collaborate and communicate and talk about how to do this because that social piece and that language interaction, you know, of course, speech people are going to want that and want to help that develop. But really, we can't get where we need to go with the child if we really don't address the sensory issues first. And, you know, speech doesn't have a lot of training in sensory problems. So there's a lot of on-the-job training if you work with pediatrics. And so my advice to SLPs out there is to find a good OT and make friends. Bring them Starbucks (laughs) and be really nice and sweet. And then y'all work together because these two disciplines in this type of situation, working with this child to really make progress, you've got to work together. You just can't do it because you can dress some of the language stuff, but you can't be as successful unless you really target these sensory issues first because it's a real obstacle to get to the next step. So that's my SLP two cents. So there you go. 
Okay, I hope you enjoyed part one of sensory awareness with Rachel and our discussion of kids who experience sensory defensiveness, the over-responders. Next time, we are going to talk about the people who we consider to be our little tiggers out there and Eeyore. You know, I am a huge fan of Disney, so this is right up my alley. Tune in next time and continue on with Rachel and myself. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. If you would like more information regarding this podcast or would like to get in touch with us for any reason, visit us on the web at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com. 